everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. My name is Bevan. Uh, I'm your host. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Uh, sometimes I get that right. Sometimes it's a little off. Uh, today, I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend Jenny. Uh, we know each other from like so many different worlds. There literally isn't a friend I have in my life who has um, lived in the similar places that I've lived all these different times and connects with all these different friend groups in all these special ways. And um, I think there's something super remarkable and beautiful about old friends. And I say old, not meaning old like uh, they're old, but old like we've had a long friendship. And so when you get to be a friend for such a long time and you're a person who grows, often we get to witness each other's growth and evolution. And I just find that so beautiful and so potent. Um, And so much of Jenny's healing and her story has really inspired me um, as someone who kind of came out uh, as uh, someone with like psychic energy healing gifts Um, later in life. um, I really just, I kind of like came out just after her. um, And so I really was very inspired by her transition from like a really regular, regular nine to five type career job to becoming a fully working psychic, which, um, you know, she's had a lot of things she's overcome and grown through and um, survived and healed. And I'm so excited to share that story with you. Um, and I really feel like the role of this podcast is is to tell stories of overcoming, of people who are different um, in their worlds, who um, persevered and triumphed in some way to bring their gifts to the world. And um, Jenny's story is so special. And I feel so honored, honestly, that so many people trust me with their podcast um, virginities or who don't, who aren't on a lot of podcasts who trust me with their stories. Um, and that's, I think, one of the most special things about this is that my friends are amazing, and I'm glad to share them with you, and they're not a lot of places. Um, and so grateful to have Jenny trust me with her story, and I hope that you really enjoy it and cuddle up with your, you know, sort of imaginary cozy blanket on a porch with us and grab a favorite beverage. Uh, but first, before we dive into this show... I wanted to just tell you the best way to support this podcast is through my Patreon page. Um, I am an artist funded almost entirely by Patreon. Um, I teach, I have a few levels of uh, membership that you can join and Patreon is a membership support site where folks like you can support creators like me who make work that's relevant and impactful in your life. Um, And I get to create exclusive content uh, for that platform. At the $25 a month level, you get weekly online aerobics with me. Um, I teach a variety of class lengths. So I have a 10 minute, a 20 minute, 45 minute, and uh, almost an hour class uh, that's always available and you can choose which timeline you have. But also each class is a little different. Um, Just this week, the new class is a full hour stretch aerobics. So it's very low impact. It's very much, um, I mean, I hurt my back last week, so that's what I could teach. But also like, I think it's helpful to have like a whole hour of just like mindful stretching and low key movement that um, will help move your body even if you don't really feel up to moving. And um, I'm a real interesting aerobics instructor. I come to this from a place of truly just loving dance aerobics. Um, a lot of fitness instructors come from athletic and dance backgrounds, and I have neither. So uh, it's really, and it's also a healing. It's a, a, a thing about mindset. Minimum participation is watching the video and sharing along, and you can do that. Um, and a lot of the visualizations you can do uh, literally while lying in a bed. So 
Anyway, you can join that at the $25 a month level. Also, for 5 bucks a month, you get access to Bevan's Bites, which is a podcast of many episodes exclusive over there. It includes meditations, Reiki healings, and um, stuff from advice from me about self-care, um, self-love, and part of my journey, and um, just, just fun little nuggets just for y'all. Um, and in addition to that, if you want to go up a level, um, I have a witchy self-care uh, package that I send out quarterly. Um, and that just includes my tea because, you know, I do a lot of things, including creating Reiki infused tea and uh, really good tea blends because I'm a tea snob. So I make great tea, put it in the package. I'm also going to include some other self-care items from folks that I love in my life who make cool self-care stuff. So um, I'm excited to do that and I'm excited to have any of you all here on this journey with me, whether you're listening to this podcast um, and contributing that way, or if you're contributing in any way to the Patreon, I super appreciate you just being part of this conversation, being willing to think outside the box, being willing to uh, be a, a free thinker. I, I feel like part of my mission in the world is to just show people a new way to be and a new way to think. And it started as just body anarchy and wanting people to know that it's okay to be any size and you're still valuable. And now I just really understand the value of kind of thinking outside the box and knowing that there's like a bigger and brighter life for us um, outside of what we're taught when we're growing up, those like limiting beliefs, right? Everything is on the other end of your comfort zone. And I'm here as your pal to help show you what's out there. Um, I hope you enjoy this this episode. Um, this is so special to me. I'm really grateful um, that I got to connect with Jenny for this. And I love you all so much and I hope you enjoy. Jenny, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Devin. I'm so happy to be here. So grateful that you asked me. Yay. Um, I was trying to remember where specifically we met because I feel like maybe we met for the first time at a Femme Mafia masquerade in Atlanta in like the aughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometime in the aughts. Um, yep. It sounds about right. And then we met again at a Femme Family New York City event, um, probably also in the later aughts, like early teens, uh, probably later aughts actually, and like yeah, totally yes, uh huh, yes. And new, and you were living so before you were living in Atlanta, and then you were living in Westchester. Yep. Yeah, in Dobbs Ferry. Yeah, Dobbs Ferry, and then um, you moved before me to LA. But then we were both living in LA at the same time. Um, totally. I feel like you're like my friend from so many social circles. <laughs> like you're Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. But I've always just like super really appreciated our connection. And especially in the last few years too. Like I think as you and I have both like caught... I don't know how spiritual you were before, but I definitely like took a path to spirituality. And I think the more spiritual I got and like the more you kind of were delving into your gifts, like um, your psychic gifts and other gifts, like I just feel like we've gotten closer and closer and I just always feel so nourished when we connect and like, just, just love you so much and love just you in the world. And I'm super excited to get to share you with 
my my wider audience so i hope everyone is just like cozying mm -hmm. up with us on the metaphysical porch and like bringing in a, a favorite blanket to cuddle with and like maybe an animal companion um and yeah jenny <laughs> yay i'm so excited to be sharing this moment with you yay um uh, so jenny uh as a working psychic i want to just lead off with like being in this present moment, we're recording. It's April 30th, 2020. Um, who would have thought April 2020 would be this way? <laughs> in this Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I'm just curious, like, what has been coming through for you from your guides, like, in readings, like, things that mm. feel like, like, what is, what's emerging? Like, what's coming from the emerging paradigm? What's coming up? And, like, what can you share? From like that level of wisdom. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me, like, people are really suffering right now, you know. And um, I think, like, first and foremost, it's important to acknowledge that that, yeah, there are greater lessons and teachings and things that are coming from this coronavirus. But I really. I don't believe that like the universe wanted this to happen. And I think saying that to me just doesn't resonate true. Um, I think that, you know, people sick and dying is not something that the goddess like purposely ushers in. I think it happened and we're dealing with the consequences and, um, you know, I, I do believe that people are taking this moment to transform and to heal and to go within. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing that in the face of so much suffering that we're having an opportunity to open to our deepest inner selves and really um, open spiritually to a place of like calm and quietness and stillness in a way that maybe we weren't able to before this. Um, and I think that that's just really a gift of this moment and of this crisis. Um, and I think that, you know, Gaia having a chance to heal, the earth having a chance to be still and to be free of like human pollution and contamination is also a gift of this moment. But I definitely don't think that, like, you know, it's that it was ushered in on on purpose, that the earth, like, willed this to happen because she wanted a break. I really feel like Gaia is also, like, mourning and with us for these losses and for these deaths. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for saying that and putting it that way and I think I I resonate with that too actually like I really do think suffering is like kind of a last resort um yeah, yeah. I feel I hear a lot pain pushes until vision pulls um, and like I think our vision like the vision if you want to like you know I, I think when I say it in spiritual terms I mean vision like like I was telling I was telling you before we started recording the podcast to me it was like a calling and I, I talked about that when I first started the podcast, that it was just like a, an idea I had that was nagging and I knew it was from God because it just wouldn't go away. Um, and 
So it's like, and that I think is our vision. And like, if we get slow and still enough, we can hear the vision. We can hear the call. Um, and when we are not slow and still enough, or when we're not, when we're actively turning away, because I think many of us have probably had the experience of there was a call and we ignored it and there was, the call got louder and we ignored it. And then the call got hurdy. <laughs> and then we finally moved towards it because that pain kind of pushes us. And so it's like yes. those stillness practices of, of our rituals and our spirituality and our meditation and all of that is meant to slow us down so we can hear it because that's really what the goddess wants it's a benevolent higher power it's not intended for suffering it's not intended to put us through pain um even though you know pain is kind of part of the process of life but absolutely yeah 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 um is there anything uh that um is sort of coming up as like a theme that you're experiencing or, or seeing or, or feeling like coming out of this, like, um, what, like, I, mean, I feel like working, working with clients through this pandemic, I feel like people are, are really deep diving into meditation in a way that, um, I wasn't seeing before this pandemic. I feel like people are really open to meditating because I feel like the um, collective consciousness is so full of fear and people are really wanting to escape that. And I'm just really touched that so many people are escaping that in such beautiful, healthy ways, like choosing to meditate when they maybe didn't have that practice before. Um, yeah, I also am just really touched by how how much people are connecting with nature. Um, yeah, I think I'm just really hearing and seeing clients, you know, going and just sitting with a tree, spending time, like, touching, admiring her bark and the insects and flowers and just things that they weren't able to necessarily feel or see before this pandemic and um yeah I think those are a couple of things that have really stood out to me yeah oh that's good I'm glad you're hearing that um and then just to give a little background um you're a working psychic and typically during typical times you work out of a store in San Diego right and um what's the store called yeah, I work at um, Kindred Journeys, um, which is a metaphysical store in Oceanside that's been there about 14 years. Um, yeah, so I've been there a year, and then um, I also have an office space in Encinitas that I, that I typically work out of when we're not in a pandemic. So that space has been closed, but the store has still been and open or phone readings, which has been really nice. Oh, that's great. So you're doing um, phone readings and video um, video readings for clients right now, right? Yeah. So out of like my home space, I'm doing video readings and like distance Reiki energy healing. Um, and then out of the store, we're just doing phone readings. That's awesome. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a blessing to be able to be of service, I feel like, during the pandemic. Like, I really 
am feeling much more um, like I'm like I'm being of service. And I don't know that I necessarily quite felt that before this pandemic, but I definitely feel grateful to be like of use during this time. Yeah, I have to, I, I want to reflect that I feel that same way, that like I'm uniquely qualified in these times, like to serve, you know, as a person who does like mm-hmm. online, you know, self-care support and online movement mm-hmm. classes and things like that. Like it's, I'm like, wow, look at this, a very unique skill and thing that I offer. And it's, it really does help with the imposter syndrome. Cause like, you know, as if people are out there thinking that I'm some kind of badass, like I, I'm thank you for thinking that, but also like, I still feel fear every time I try something for the first time. And I still feel that like, Oh, do I even need to post? Like, what is it? You know, I go through these like moments where I'm like, who am I to do this? And like, ever since the pandemic, I'm like, well, if it can help one person, then I'm going to do it. Cause I want to be here for whoever I can. Cause it's just, yes it's rough out there. And I feel very like the people who I look to for inspiration and guidance have been showing up in the pandemic and that's been super vital for me. And so like, you know, other folks who feel, and and, you know, some people don't have that capacity right now and that's totally fine. Like it's all, it's all okay. And, but I'm glad that you're feeling of service in these times and like get to, you know, get into your, your boss femme psychic witchiness and, and help people with your seeing. Um, can you tell us about how you got started um, as a professional psychic? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's important to kind of start from where it kind of began with me, which was when I was 16 years old, I went on um, a mission trip to Peru, and I got off the bus, and there was this indigenous Peruvian couple waiting there and um they said you know is your name Jennifer yes we've been waiting for you okay and I basically for the next two weeks didn't participate in the mission trip and I went around with this couple and they taught me about my gifts and you know said we know you've been seeing we know you've been hearing and we're here to help you And that's really where it began with me. I came back and started doing readings when I was 16, um, you know, in Marietta, Georgia, uh, with the church ladies at my Southern Baptist church. And um, that's kind of where it began for me. And, um, you know, I went on a journey for the next few years of really deep diving into my psychic gifts. And then, you know, I, life happens. And, you know, I became quite jaded towards spirituality for a really long time. Um, And it really, like, popped back up for me, um, you know, like, a few few years ago. It was, like, about four or five years ago that it really came back online for me. And, you know, I started just offering to do free psychic readings at, at events, um, throughout LA and people really started to get into it. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, this, this might actually be something. And so, you know, I made a website and I started like offering, you know, individual readings for people. 
um, just out of my home space and things just really kind of kicked off from there. And um, it was really unexpected, you know, like I wasn't planning on being a professional psychic. Um, and a lot of the work I did in the beginning was free, you know, for like the first couple years, like I really didn't make a lot of money off of it. I was doing it on the side. Um, it's really only been like in the last two years where I've really been making like more substantial amount of money off of, um, being a professional psychic. So it's been a, it's been a journey. Totally. Can you talk about the um, shift from kind of hanging your own shingle and like doing it all on your own to working at a store and like kind of what you've experienced and the folks you get to work with, like being at a, at a metaphysical store doing this? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was, I've only been at the store like a year now. So it's, it's been, you know, not that long for me. And, um, I think, you know, it was, it, it was kind of a moment for me of, I really started to feel comfortable in my gifts and have a lot more confidence in myself where I felt like I could really turn that corner and reach out to a shop and be willing to go through the process of interviewing. Um, because I had to, you know, do a reading for, you know, the, um, the boss of the store that I work at. And then I had to do a series of readings for all the readers who work at the store who had mostly been there 13 years. And so, um, it was a really intimidating process for me. And I, I really wasn't ready until like a year ago because um, it was pretty scary. You know, they, they gave me really rigorous feedback from the beginning and waited to, you know, to see if I would integrate it in the next reading and then gave me more feedback and waited to see if I would integrate it in the next reading. So it was a process of you know, what are your gifts? Are you willing to edit the way that you read to accommodate our clients? How do you take feedback? Do you jive with the energy of the store? And, you know, do we like you? Um, so it was like a very vulnerable moment for me, you know, and a lot of insecurities came up. And I really wasn't ready for it until a year ago. And I'm so grateful I went through that process because I really got to join a family of psychics. Um, there's like about 10 of us that work there and everyone who works there from the people who run the front desk to the other two psychics that I work with on any given day, you know, it's, we all really love and care about each other and support each other. And um, it's just such a blessing to work in a space where you're all kind of like like-minded psychics freaks you know like we're all a little bit off and weird and it's really such a blessing to be part of that kind of community ah the blessing of being amongst freaks like yes totally <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> life is a blessing amongst freaks for sure I feel like Something that I've really been like thinking about just in terms of like 
core ethics of mine just in life, but like also I think especially through the pandemic is like the blessing of people who aren't in the mainstream and like how we're taught by society that we need to conform in order to be safe. And it's such a, an inherent human need to have um, social connection and mm. our, um, and when like, when we go away from like the status quo or when we go away from like conformity, it's very threatening to people who like need that social order in order to feel stable, even though we know that stability mm -hmm. is a myth and it doesn't really exist and things fall apart all the time. Um, yeah. but I really think that humans are supposed to be different. Like we're all made different. Like that's just inherent. Like it's true. There's just no two people that are exactly alike. Even identical twins are still different. And I think it's our, our strength as a species to be so different. And I think when you're an outsider and you find other outsiders, it's such a beautiful way to belong without needing to conform. Um, and I love, I love that. And I just love like how you describe like finding that um, nurturing within that family. Um, and also what a great hiring practice to like put someone through the rigors of like, can you absorb feedback? Can you jive with us? Like, cause you really want to develop trust and friendship. Um, and hiring is one of the hardest things. Like as I study entrepreneurialism, hiring is one of the hardest things for some of the most high performing, high achieving people. Um, hiring is really difficult. So that's actually a really, really impressive protocol <laughs> from the owner. Yeah. They've had, they've had a lot of, you know, a lot of experience with, with not so great hires so they're they're were very cautious to to hire me you know because everyone else at the store came in through doing the psychic development course I'm the only one who didn't come in through taking the psychic classes and so I was the, the I'm the only hire that didn't wasn't like a trained psychic you know I've never taken a class and I've definitely never taken a class there. And so they were extra cautious because I really was an outsider, whereas everyone else came in through taking classes at the store. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm curious if we can talk about your psychic training just a little bit. Like the indigenous couple in Peru, like they, they just knew, like they had a knowing that you were coming and that they were there to guide you and like help you. Yeah, it was you know, they were so connected to spirit and, you know, got downloads all the time. And they just got the download that I was coming and that I really needed guidance and help. And, you know, I was in a space at that time of, I was very suicidal. Um, I was very on the edge because of, you know, pretty intense trauma and abuse that was happening. So it was really just like a saving, a saving grace that just entered my life out of nowhere. Um, and I think I really needed a miracle and it really was a miracle. And that two weeks of mentorship was um, so influential on my life. Um, and really, I mean, that was, that was really kind of the, the only really like, formal psychic training that I've had, if you can even consider that formal, but it felt pretty formal. <laughs> I mean, it's a, an intense two-week mentorship uh, while on a mission trip is pretty amazing. Um, Definitely. Like, like psychic camp. 
Um, yes. <laughs> or like, you know, it's interesting because we think of the rigors of training that Olympian athletes have to go through, right? Like five, like Michael Phelps swam every single day. He didn't take Sundays off. Most people take Sundays off and that kind of gave him the edge. Right. But like, also he had a coach who was like constantly like helping him revise, revise, revise. And there's so many areas in our lives, like where we could be top performers if we had the right coaching and the right people to help us do things. So like, even like a two week intensive makes an imprint, like, and I'm, I'm curious, like what types of things they taught you, like while you were under their care. One of the most important things was how to get out of the way, you know, how to become a hollow bone Um, that, you know, I, it's not about me, you know, like I'm just a channel. And so how do you get out of the way and allow spirit to take over? Um, Because spirit has to be at the wheel if you're going to be an effective channel and you know they really taught me like how to stay on on top of my self-care also you know they were like you have to pray you have to meditate you have to journal and those are things that I still do today you know like if I don't do those three things every day I'm not an effective channel um so it's like the self-care and it's like getting out of the way and becoming the hollow bone so that spirit can effectively flow through me. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I was going to ask about any self-care recommendations you have, anything above and beyond praying, meditating, and journaling. I mean, um, for me, I, I, you know, I have a really strong yoga practice. So I, I do yoga um, like five to six times a week. And that's a huge part of my self-care routine. I do a static dance every week, every Tuesday night. Um, I dance for two hours. And that's a huge part of my self-care. I just let it all out. Like, you know, my like horny, sexy feels, my angry feels, my like jealous feels, anything that's coming up, grief. I like throw it all on the dance floor. Um, and I go really wild and, you know, aesthetic dance has been a huge life-changing space for me, um, year and a half. And the, the last thing would be, um, I go to Deer Park Monastery every Sunday for about, that they're open for about, um, five to six hours. And I, I do a walking meditation and eating meditation. I listen to the Dharma talk you know, participate in Sangha. And then I just like sit out in nature, um, overlooking the mountains at Deer Park Monastery. And, um, my relationship with like the nuns and the monks there has really changed my life also because seeing the Vietnamese monks and nuns who came over and escaped such horrific trauma and have healed themselves through the practice of mindfulness has really inspired me um in my own like trauma recovery journey Mm. yeah Ah, that's a advanced self-care practice jenny like (laughs) (laughs) you're doing great that's amazing um uh can you talk about like how you came out as queer and femme and uh it's psychic like how do you like 
because I feel like growing up Southern Baptist in Georgia doesn't really set you up to like be like a wild sex positive queer femme. Definitely not. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a it's been a wild journey for me. You know, like I, um, you know, I had my first girlfriend from second to seventh grade, and um, you know, it was it was a deep it was a deep love that we had, and. Um, my parents actually found out and it was a huge reason why we moved to Georgia from California when I was 13. And, um, you know, as soon as I moved to Georgia, everyone called me a lesbian and I had no idea what that meant. And I like ran home crying and my mom told me. And from that point on, like, I was very committed to being straight. Um, I realized that being anything other than straight living in suburban Georgia was not going to work. And I really threw myself in like into boys who I was also attracted to, but I was more attracted um, to my girlfriends, but I really just like shut that down. And so, you know, it took, took a while for me to really come into my sexuality. Um, You know, I, I got married when I was 18 to my son's father. And, you know, I told him I was bi from the jump, you know, like I knew, I knew that I wasn't straight, but I also was deeply attracted to him and in love with him. Um, And after, you know, we got a divorce when I was like 20, um, I came out right after that, like as bi. Um, you know, I had already connected with the Fed Mafia. Um, you know, I had really like found out about queer community just through taking sociology, sexuality courses at Georgia State University. And, you know, I remember like when Rachel came into my class from the Fed Mafia and it was like this light bulb went off in my head where I was like, oh my God, that's, that's like me. I like found my people. And yeah, finding queer femme community in Georgia through the Femme Mafia totally changed my life. You know, like I finally found this like bold group of radical queer femmes who were like unabashedly like owning their femininity in a way that like really resonated with me. Um, so like, you know, it was it was like right after that that I got, you know, my first hot butch girlfriend and was like on on my way to like being the queer femme of my dreams (laughs) wow that's amazing um was there a process of like coming out um as psychic that you had to go through like people you had to kind of confront with it I guess like yeah coming out as psychic was was pretty hard for me um you know, I was, I was living, you know, in LA and I, and I was definitely like feeling my like witch vibes at that time and definitely like exploring with that. But to actually like put a stake in the ground and say I'm psychic, I felt like I didn't deserve to say that. I was like, who am I to say that I'm psychic? Like that seems too bold. It seems like it's too much. And so what's interesting is like, 
people started calling me psychic. And honestly, that's when I realized like, oh, I'm, I am actually psychic is, you know, I was working with another healer who um, was a Reiki practitioner and she kept introducing me to other people as like, hey, this is Jenny. She's psychic. She can do a reading for you. And I, I was like, really? I am? And she was like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I am psychic. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is so real. I feel like, you know, there are a lot of people who probably have had the experience of other people knowing things about them before they were even like even aware or willing to like claim the terminology and like it's totally sometimes just really I feel like for me like I barely I I came out as psychic but it was like a backdoor and like just a slow sort of creep of talking about it more and more and more um with people and like getting more conscientious about sharing about spirituality because I feel like for many years I felt like I couldn't you know I had this like the you know my blog and all of the other things I did that weren't spiritual inherently like except that I think everything I do is spiritual but like you know it was like one of those things where like I was like I felt so afraid of like people getting turned off because I never want people to feel like they have to believe what I believe because I think you know for me it's just sharing my story about how I feel released honestly through spirituality and like it, it it enables me to experience more joy and to explain a lot of the trauma and suffering I've experienced and the trauma and suffering I've witnessed. And so like, you know, again, back to what we said at the top of the episode, like, I don't think the goddess wants that, but I think it's part of how we can make sense from it and how we can heal. Um, It's given, I mean, at least brings me a lot of peace, but like not sharing that part of my life became very stifling and it felt like I couldn't, um, I couldn't take up space about it. I don't know. It's just weird, but it's so interesting how like our fears keep us quiet about who we really are until we really kind of get that internal sense of validation that doesn't need some sort of external validation in order for us to claim the thing that we are you know like eventually you could introduce yourself to psychic and you didn't need your friend yeah totally yeah yeah Um, I mean sometimes like our yeah our our best like the most important reflections is like that person who can be the mirror for us and show us who we really are. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And even just to piggyback on the on the comment we made about Rachel and like how you saw her kind of being a queer femme and like it gave you so much permission. Rachel was like, Rachel and I, like that's how I got connected to the Femme Mafia. We've been friends. We met on the internet like 17 years ago and, um, and I interviewed her on episode two of my podcast or three of my podcast. And she... <laughs> she like helped me get spiritual. Like she was an early example of what it was like to integrate like queer femme boss babery with like a heavy spiritual practice and and an openness to something greater. And anyway, so I'm grateful to her for showing me that possibility. She's incredible. You two are like both such queer femme powerhouses who I look up to so much. Yeah. Y'all together is such power squad. <laughs> Aw, thanks so much, Jenny. I mean, I just, I've always looked up to you. I think you really like, especially as someone who I'm 41 and I still haven't had kids, but I still look forward to having kids and like knowing you um, as like, cause you're only like 36 now. I just turned 37. Yeah. Yeah. This, 37. This month. 
Oh, yes. happy birthday. Thank you. Yay. Are you an Aries? I am, yeah. Oh, you know what? I, have, I say this all the time, but an Aries who meditates is someone who could take over the world. I like that. Um, but so you have had, I mean, you've had a son since like you were 20, right? Like you were 20 when Jaden was born? Since I was 20. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you've, so it's so interesting because like, you know, a lot of us are like out being queer femmes and messy and like, um, don't have a responsibility of another life to keep alive in the world. Um, and I've just seen you like make so many amazing life choices around centering his needs and around centering like the best childhood that you could provide for him and the best care that you could provide for him and like working with your his father to co-parent and like making big changes and I'm just um, curious if you can share some of those stories and some of that experience yeah um gosh it's been such a journey you know with my son who's 16 now um yeah, I mean, you know, when he was young up until he was 10, you know, he was raised by me and my long-term partner, you know, so he was raised by two women um, for most most of his childhood, you know, after his dad and I split up, um, I got together with his other mom when he was around like three, four years old. So it's been, it was a, a long journey for him of you know, having two moms, you know, and that was very much his, his life growing up in New York and Westchester. And, you know, he would see his dad like in the summers and like on holidays, but mostly it was, it was me and his other mom who were, um, you know, when we split up when he was 10 years old, um, you know, my son just really struggled. He fell into a deep depression and his dad and I made the decision that, okay, you know, this summer when Jaden comes out, he's not going to come back. And so, you know, I realized pretty quickly I need to move to California. And, you know, it was around that time that I was really deeply struggling with my mental health and, you know, just all the trauma and abuse was coming to the front for me. And, you know, his dad and I made the decision that he was basically going to be the full-time parent and Jaden was going to see me on the weekends um, because I got a job in LA. And so for two years, you know, we kind of like flipped the script and his dad and his stepmom were the full-time parents and I was like the weekend parent. And it was such an important time for me in my life where I really got a chance to heal on a much deeper level and find myself in a way that I really, really needed to, um, you know, just being a parent from the time that you're 20 years old, you just don't have a chance to do a lot of the learning and growing that you need to, because you're just so consumed with the hustle. Um, of being a parent. And so those two years were so crucial for me. And eventually it was like, I got myself together enough that I could move to San Diego and we could, you know, go to 50, 50 parenting, which is what we're still doing today. But, um, you know, even once I moved to San Diego, I still had, you know, a really 
major mental health episode um, where there was like, you know, quite a few months where I couldn't parent at all. You know, I was just so um, laid out from, you know, processing my trauma history and my son's dad just swooped in and was really incredible. And, you know, I'm so blessed because my son's dad and I are really good friends. Um, you know, we have family dinners regularly with, you know, Jaden and me and his dad and stepmom and their kids. And you know, we live 10 minutes from each other. And it's just such a gift to, um, to have that relationship and to really intentionally cultivate a co-parenting relationship. And of course we have our ups and downs. We're very different people. Um, you know, and it could be different, you know, I could definitely have held some grudges from the past and from, you know, hard times that we've been through. But I think we both just really intentionally um, choose to love each other and choose to be a family and choose to put Jaden first and, you know, choose, choose love because at the end of the day, like, my son benefits from us being in harmony. And I can just really see how much he's blossomed as a result of us having a really strong co-parenting relationship. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. And like, I remember like when you were moving from New York, I was just so surprised. I was like, wow, like you're willing to take on a cross country move for the benefit of your son. And like, you know, and then even like when you were in LA, like you were like, cause I think Jaden said something to you, like, mom, I need you down here. And you were like, okay, let's do it. I'll change everything, you know? And I love that. I love how much you've centered being a parent. And I really look forward to, you know, getting to parent and having friends like you who've done it and like have that wisdom to share. Like, you're going to be such an amazing mom, Bevan. Oh, I can't wait for you to have kids. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm so excited for it. Um, and uh, so I'm curious, like also you've kind of like alluded to your healing um, and, and the work that you've done to heal like super intense trauma from your past. And I'm curious if you can talk about like the healing journey and maybe some of like yeah. what you uncovered and like how you've like, you know, stabilized like because I feel like you've had a few times where it's like upheavaled you upheaved I don't know whatever word that I want to make up for that but like you've had (laughs) turning overs and like things where where like more is revealed and you're like oh shit like you've just you've had more I'll say this more than your fair share uh, (laughs) of trauma and it's extraordinary how you are now like in your gifts and giving the the wisdom of your healing and your light to shine because I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times like our our healers that we work with are people who have healed, you know, and like, or are healing and like uh, further along the path than us. And so like, whatever you want to share about like what you've uncovered and how you've, you've worked through that. Yeah. Um, thanks for, for asking that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey, you know, I, um, you know, from, from the time I was maybe about 18, I knew that you know, I was an incest survivor that I had been, you know, molested by my adopted father. And that was a part of my story for a long time. And so it was, it was about, you know, 10 to 15 years, I was doing this really intensive work about 
um, being an incest survivor, you know, and being in therapy and really going hard on it. And about in, it, it was about 2016 that I had the realization that that wasn't the whole story and um, kind of had the experience of getting this download of memories that had been repressed um, and realizing that, that I was sex trafficked um, throughout my whole childhood. Um, and also that there was this subplot of being raised in a cult. And that was just like a huge blow for me and um, really threw me into a huge mental health crisis where I um, was hospitalized for 10 days and um, really just didn't know what was up, what was down. And, you know, it, it took about a year for me to really stabilize. I did really intensive therapy um, and art therapy, which I continue to do today. I do two hours of art therapy every week and an hour with a therapist. Um, with one-on-one -on -one traditional talk therapy, and um, yeah, it's been a it's been a huge journey for me. And coinciding with that, um, you know, was the journey of of getting sober because I also was using, you know, alcohol to really numb out and to not feel those feelings. And so, um, the journey of healing for me has has really been. Um, about like really talking about my memories and experiences, drawing, creating art about my memories. My entire room is like covered with art that I've created about my childhood and history because some of it is, it's just so dark and so ugly that I can't talk about it. I really have to create about it. I have to make art, um, write poetry, you know, and it's, it's just been such a gift to get to know myself in such an intimate way and to really just love that inner child who didn't have a chance to have a childhood, you know, who didn't, who wasn't fed, who wasn't taken care of, you know, who had to like be woken up in the middle of the night to like basically go turn her and taking care of her and um you know letting her have space to heal you know like I in my bedroom I have like an altar for my inner child and I have all these photos of me as a child and all these like items that I made and you know I just honor her every day you know and let her have as her own space to be um to be free now and to be open and to to love and to live and to hurt and to feel and to cry and um you know it's just such it's such a like honor and gift to be able to be on this healing journey and then also to be able to help other women in particular heal like so many of my clients are childhood sexual abuse survivors and I've just been so blessed to be able to help other women be able to figure out, you know, what happened in their history and how to heal and 
you know, what the options are, what the path is um, to gaining freedom. Um, it's a huge part of like my calling in this lifetime is to help other survivors. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about that, Jenny. And also just like, you know, even just in our friendship, just being so transparent with your, um, with your journey and like what you go through and what you've been through and what you discover. And, um, will you share a little bit if you feel comfortable about like learning about like your origins of your birth and like how, like, and reconnecting with your ancestral homeland and people? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty wild because, you know, part kind of part of my abuse narrative of, my adopted family was um, my my heritage being hid from me, and um, you know being told that I was white my whole life, you know, which is a huge part of my narrative for a really long time, and um, then discovering that I'm actually mixed race and um, that I'm part Indigenous Inuit. Um, from Arctic Canada and putting those pieces together has been really, really healing. Um, I've been able to connect with indigenous elders here in San Diego and be a part of talking circles and sweat lodges and really connect with um, indigenous spirituality and indigenous animism. And that's, touched my heart and healed me in ways that um has been so specific and it was such a part of my healing journey that I needed that I didn't even know was there um and it's just been it's been such a blessing it's been such a gift and um also to have other you know mixed race queer folk really like bring me in and um, embrace me and love me and help me in this journey um, has been really beautiful and really um, gracious. Yeah. Um, Jenny, how can people find you to connect with you around your work? Yeah, um, I have a website, um, jenniferlee.info, which I'm sure will be in the podcast links and um, you can also subscribe to my newsletter on my website. Um, I haven't been on social media for two years, which has been an intentional conscious break for me. Um, but I do send out regular emails and yeah, would love to connect, you know, through text or phone or email or you know, doing sessions over video or phone. Yay. Uh, I have such admiration and congratulations for people who like leave social media and don't need to be part of it. Cause you know, I mean, for me, it's, it's nourishing in the way that I use it, but like, it's not for everybody. And like, I think a lot of people who kind of force it, I just want to give permission out there to anybody out there who thinks if this is like a toxic thing for you, probably is and consider <laughs> You can live a very flourishing and awesome life without it. Definitely. Yeah, especially as an introvert, like 
being off social media is pretty awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Like I, I'm an ambivert. Um, so like I do, I can feed, I can get energy from both, but I tend to get more energy from my introversion times. And when I realized, um, in 2008, when I lost my job and I started working for myself, I was like, oh, this is amazing because I don't have any recreational social connection. I literally only connect with people I want to. So like, I just, I don't have to like deal with coworkers or deal with person, like just having the choice of your association and who you connect with, like that's such freedom. And like, it's like one of the best parts I think for me about being an entrepreneur is like, I do it on my own, but that means that I intentionally curate my social time. And so I'm like, I love that. like you, you know, like having phone dates and things. It's so much more nourishing than scrolling. So, yeah. Absolutely. I love our times of talking on the phone. You're so special. Aww, You're beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story with us. And um, I just love you so much. And I love, just getting to see you grow and I'm excited to see where we grow together and like just get get to know you when we're both crones and like you know in new eras of our lives and just keep keep watching you blossom and just bring more of your light to the world and and all of these things. Thank you so much Bevan. You're you're such a gift to this plane of consciousness and it's been such a gift just watching you um, grow and flourish over the years and like really step into your power um, and step into your gifts. It's, it's really beautiful to see you in all your glory. Oh, yay. Um, okay. So bye everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that you know that you're worthy of love exactly as you are. And there's nothing you need to do to, to belong. You already belong. You are already valuable. You are already magnificent. You are healing. And, um, you know, if there's, if you, if you just suspect that maybe you're a little psychic, probably you're a lot. <laughs> so just yeah. trust, trust the knowing and keep going on your path and, um, trust that the, the, magical couple who has the download about you is going to show up and and grab you off that bus and whatever that is in your life is going to happen for you so anyway i love you jenny i love you too